Hello everyone. I'm here today to talk to Oliver Bazatza of MedTech Europe, newly appointed as Director General Industrial Policies and External Affairs, and to Dr. Marc-Pierre Meul, BVMed CEO and Managing Director and Member of the Board. I'm going to talk to them today about the discussions at the MedTech Forum related to progress and challenges with the implementation of the medical device regulation and the IBD regulation. So to kick off, how would you describe the mood at the sessions on the MDR and the IBDR at the MedTech Europe meeting? It was, I think, very focused, very intense and even very dense. We have increasing problems with the implementation of the MDR and therefore the mood was very adequate to these uh, increasing problems, I believe. Oliver, what did you think? I would agree. You know, the MedTech Forum our flagship event is not a regulatory congress, but there is always regulatory sessions and both the MDR and IVDR sessions were full house. I think the seats ran out and people were standing at the back by the end of the first five minutes, which is expected after five years of transition and big deadlines um, coming up, uh, both for IVDs in a couple of weeks and MDR in a couple of uh, years. I would say the mood was intense in both, but definitely more intense in the MDR session, which Dr. Merle very competently moderated because of how serious the situation is getting for MDR. If the situation for IVDR was somewhat lighter, I think it's because that regulation recently had in January a legislative amendment to extend the transitional provisions. And in fact, within uh, 24 hours of that session, our industry received the long-awaited guidance on significant changes, which was necessary to make the IVDR amendment workable. But for MDR, I think the temperature is rising very, very um, uh, quickly, which you could feel palpably in Dr. Merle's session. Hardly surprising now, given the urgency that the industry must be feeling to comply with these new regulations. So from the questions that came up at those sessions, what would you say are industry's main concerns now? And do these overlap with your existing concerns as trade organisations? Or did the meeting offer an opportunity to air any new concerns with implementation? Yeah, well, I think the main concern is the readiness of the system. And that's the concern we have as trade associations as well. The system is not ready yet, and that's major because of the bottlenecks. Uh, we don't have enough capacity. I think in the session it, was, it became very clear it's not just a, a question of how many notified bodies we have but it's also of uh, the staff within the notified bodies. And they have to be trained and retrained and retrained, and they are not enough staff members at the notified bodies. So this is a big issue. And another big issue, uh, because of this limitation of the systems, which we have right now because of the bottlenecks, is the question of time. How much time do we have left? I know we have an end of the transition period, but I think we don't have that much time anymore because the companies, and that was very clear in the room as well, the companies, they have to decide now and not within uh, one or two years uh, time. So that was a big issue and that very much is uh, the same view we have at, at BBMAD. I fully agree with everything just said. Um, the readiness of the system has been an ongoing concern since day one, as, as we all know. The capacity of notified bodies and other infrastructure, such as for the high-risk IBDs, Europe is missing key things like European reference laboratories, for instance. 
it raises concerns about the time and it raises concerns about just how predictable or unpredictable right now the pathway is in Europe to place medtech innovation on the market. As Dr. Mill says, companies need to make decisions ahead of time and they are making decisions ahead of time. We hear every day more and more anecdotes about, um, unfortunately, medtech innovators moving away from Europe and more to places like US and Japan as the preferred geography of choice for launching innovation. And that's very concerning uh, to us as an industry and to the patients we serve. So restoring that predictability immediately is, is, our, is our prime uh, concern right now. Right. And uh, how likely do you think it is that the European Commission will introduce any significant changes in the way the MDR and the IVDR are implemented to address concerns over the lack of resources at notified bodies and the lack of readiness of some documents and structures? What we noticed uh, within the MDR session is that all actors, inclusive the European Commission, they do see the problems. Everybody sees the problems. And that is very good as well. Everybody, all the actors have the will to secure patients' care. And that's what it's all about. And everybody agreed on this. There's a problem and we have to secure the patient's care. We still have, I think, just one difference. And that is about timing. When is the right time to decide whether the system is running or not? The commission, I had the idea, uh, it says, well, maybe we, we, we are monitoring the system and it's not time yet to, to do maybe significant changes. Maybe in the end of this year or next year, we don't know. And the industry, at least um, the German companies, BBMED, I think it's similar all over Europe, to be honest. They believe it's, it's probably we have to act earlier. And there was one interesting part because I asked uh, Mrs. Ampelas um, if the upcoming EBSCO meeting could be a critical meeting. And she said, well, if member states put the MDR on the agenda of the EBSCO meeting, then yes, that could be a very critical point. So it's a question of time, but everybody sees the problem. Everybody has the will to secure patients' care. When is that next EBSCO meeting? June 17th. June the 17th. And mm. so will you, as national and European industry associations, be um, lobbying and getting members to lobby um, the experts in your countries? To address this MDR topic for the next EBSCO meeting. That is the aim. And we from BBMED, we have very intense talk with the German government for for discussion and for a talk but as a matter of fact today we have another talk with the parliamentary secretary of state on this issue but we have to see we have to see if a member state or better is, is maybe two or three or four member states will put the mdr on the agenda for the next epsco meeting but the problem is for, for the epsco meeting we have a consensus about the problem so we have to discuss the solution as well we have from medtech europe and, and the national association uh, we have a few solutions which we take to the national governments and now we have to discuss with the governments with if we have a consensus on this as well and if we do then maybe we get it on the EBSCO meeting but very intensive talks in Germany in France and other countries. Your question was about how likely the commission is to take significant action. Yes. I mean, uh, Anna-Eva Ampelas as Mark Pierre said was quite specific at the MDR session on the one hand, the Commission is very open to discuss solutions with, with anyone. She said that very clearly, but she also said that right now, 
the Commission's preference would be to limit itself to changes which are within the confines, if you like, of the current regulation, which is another way of saying if you want solutions that would require legislative change, like amending the regulations, that would not be the Commission's way forward. So that's where I think meetings like these EPSCO ones come in. The European Commission in healthcare matters will tend to take you know, direction on big topics like that uh, from the, um, the health ministers. And so it has been in the past, if you consider the, the recent legislative amendment of the IBDR and the second MDR core agenda from the end of 2018, those things always happened um, because of um, senior EU institutional representatives like the uh, health ministers who come together at EPSCO signaling uh, very clearly that political action needed to happen. So what is the Commission likely to do? It will depend a lot on the direction they get from, uh, from EPSCO, I would say. Thank you. And was there anything else that was said by the Commission's um, Anna Eva Ampelis that was a welcome relief or that made you more concerned about implementation? I would say that, you know, um, Although she was clearly saying for now she would prefer to only talk about solutions that uh, do not require legislative change, uh, her statement was already quite explicit um, and frank in my experience compared to how the Commission sometimes communicates. It's not the first time we've had the Commission at the MedTech Forum speaking about these regulations. Um, compared to some past years, I would say she's being fairly um, open about the fact that there are indeed challenges to address. It's as Mark Pierre says, however, though, are we all on the same page about how much needs to happen and how soon and how bold the action? Okay, thank you. Well, what I liked about um, Mrs. Ampelas, um, because she really sees the problem and she said they are monitoring the development as well. And then they said they have a really fundamental uh, willingness to make the system run. And she said, well, the system is not running smoothly yet and we have to make it run. So we uh, monitor the development. And she had some examples where they are already changing little things, for instance, orphan devices. As you may know, there's a task force on European level for orphan devices and they see they have to do their something and they're already doing something. So that means the pressure from MedTech Europe and the National Association um, works in background because they are already moving. Uh, within the system of the MDR, which is good, which is good. And so there was um, a point of, as you said, welcome relief. Right. So if they're making changes like that, how, from a legal point of view, can they do that? Well, the most easiest way is uh, MDCG guidances. And given the now well-accepted preference of the EU as a medtech innovation launch market at present, do you think that the balance will redress itself more in the favour of the EU once the regulations and accompanying documentation and necessary structures have settled into place? And how long do you think that will take? You mean the, the US as a, as a preferred market, right? Yes. Yeah. For, for, for me, this is in a way the question of our era. You know, it's clear that a significant number of companies are moving to other geographies. What no one knows for sure yet is whether that is a permanent change or whether it's a temporary situation because of all the transitional challenges the sector is going through. 
For me, as I said before, a large reason why companies make their decisions is because they look at the pathway, the regulatory pathway, not only in terms of how burdensome it is, but also how predictable and reliable it is. I mean, there are some pathways like in pharmaceuticals, for instance, which are very long and burdensome, but they're highly predictable. So companies can make business planning around that and um, have high level of confidence about when their technology will reach patients and the the healthcare system. So I think um, a lot of it will come down to whether we can restore predictability in Europe in the next uh, years or so. You probably know also the survey from uh, Boston Consulting Group, where I think 89% of the company says, well, we moved the innovation part to the US. So it's a serious issue and we have to observe this. Uh, Right now, the first thing we have to do is to implement the MDR system so that it is running. And once the implementation of the MDR is done, then we have to look at it very closely. If there is a permanent shift of innovation to the U.S., then we have to think over and think about the MDR again on a strategic strategic way. But it's not time for these discussions now. There was talk at the meeting about a European devices agency. And this is a concept that's long been resisted because the medtech industry is fearful of having stricter requirements associated with the regulation of pharmaceuticals. And there is fear that there may be some move towards the EMA. So what is the general feeling at Medtech Europe about such a proposal? You know, this was always a huge topic going back uh, more than 10 years, as you you know, Amanda. Um, And I think after nearly five years of transition, people are very understandably reflecting more and more on whether the functioning and management of Europe's regulatory system is optimal. And if it's not optimal, whether there's value in organizing things in in a more global or European way. I personally see more and more uh, reflections about this even on LinkedIn, and I don't think it necessarily signals support only for a European agency or to change how medical technologies are assessed. I think there's still a huge um, interest to retain notified bodies and CE marking. However, there are more and more questions asked about whether the certification pathway is, as I said, as efficient and predictable as it should be. Um, whether the notified bodies are receiving the uh, the optimal oversight and whether all is being done to deliver the harmonized requirements that we were promised with the regulation. So I think there is more and more um, reflections going on about this. Um, I think the industry will need to um, come up with an aligned answer to your question pretty soon. Yeah, I agree completely. It's about predictability, especially on time and money. And once we have this predictability and the system is running, everything will be fine. So we have to observe this once more. Then we also, of course, we are discussing, and but it's an open-minded dis- discussion. And, and it's completely open if in the end uh, we have very good system run by notified bodies or maybe of an European medical device agency or a hybrid system, whatsoever. It's an open-minded discussion. But as I said before, this is not the time for these discussions. Now we are in the transition period, in the end of the transition period, and now we have to make the system run, the implementation. That's what is important now. 
Yes, you say it's not time for discussions, but inevitably these things have a long lead time you know, to, to actually coming forward and uh, developing into concepts that are then discussed. And then you have to go through the whole legislative process. Sure. And what it keeps bringing back into my mind, I mentioned it before, is any European devices agency you have. What relationship will that have with the European Medicines Agency? Yeah. You know that the regulations were published in 2017, and if you ask the European Commission when is the next scheduled moment to have big reflections on whether the system needs to be changed, they'll tell you probably um, uh, 2027, you know, the regulations, 10-year birthday. There's actual um, provision in the regulations for the Commission to review the functioning of the system then. We're halfway there. Five out of 10 years have passed. So that decision is not tomorrow, but now's a good time again for everyone to start deeply reflecting on that, just because, as you said, how much um, time it can take to put changes into motion. There is definitely um, constant reflections about the, uh, the functioning of the European Medicines Agency. It just had its mandate expanded um, recently to include some new responsibilities for medical devices. But that organization, which is, I think, nearly 900 people, is still overwhelmingly focused uh, on pharmaceutical. Do you think there are any valid alternative ways of introducing new governance structures that would not need to involve European Medical Device Agency and that would address some of the challenges that are out there at the moment? Well, I, I just mentioned, of course, there are discussions. It's also discussion about hybrid systems. These are just discussions in the background. Now it's just making the system run. That's that's the most important part for all the companies and for all the trade associations. I think, you know, one of the things that's always been dear to the hearts of, of our members is international convergence. You know, even when the MDR and IVDR were first formed, to some extent, it was meant to start implementing things developed at international level in the IMDRF. If you think, for instance, of the UDI system, but I think our members would love to see much more happen, both at the level of IMDRF and in terms of how much uh, Europe is really trying to strive for global convergence. This does not necessarily mean that Europe needs to stop regulating devices in its own way and just recognize um, the approvals given by others, but there are huge opportunities to you know, reduce some of the additional efforts and overlaps that companies have to go through when they go through European CE marking on the one hand, uh, United States FDA uh, approvals and clearances on the others, Canada, Japan, etc., etc. At the end of the day, these regulations are trying to ensure a high level of safety for patients. They're trying to ensure there is real evidence that devices work when used as intended. They just go about them in slightly different ways. And this all introduces additional work uh, which affects when the devices are available. There are also, I'll be very clear, some examples of things other jurisdictions of the world are probably doing better right now. And I'll just mention one of them coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, where there was a real need to accelerate access to things like COVID tests and ventilators, etc. Unfortunately, the United States in particular proved a much more pragmatic part of the world in which to get emergency use authorizations so that these um, products could reach the patients much, much quicker. Europe is still quite fragmented on that, and it could be an example of an area where um, a bit more benchmarking compared to the rest of the world is done. Um, again, not to lower the bar, but just to restore predictability and, um, and not have Europe left behind. 
and there are definitely moves going on trying to encourage that and learn from the lessons from COVID-19. But do you think the IMDRF is doing enough at the moment? And do you think further steps are needed which could simplify the regulatory demand globally? Mark Pierre, would you like to comment? Well, well, I think the IMDRF is doing a good job, but it's also a task for AdvaMed, for MedTech Europe, for BVMed. So I just wouldn't leave it with the IMDRF. And your thoughts, Oliver? could always do more. That doesn't mean they're doing a bad job. It relies on the contribution of its member geographies, of which the European Union is one. I can say in all honesty, without any criticism intended, Europe has had a bit less of an active role in IODRF in the last few years, just because it has been so occupied naturally in, um, you know, first negotiating the MDR and IVDR and then implementing them. After five years of transition, we hope that there will be opportunity for Europe to have a bit more of an engaged role within IMDRF, leading more work items. And even if not, if nothing else, Europe will have the chairmanship of IMDRF next year. So we hope that's a good opportunity for Europe to restore its former role as really a tier one IMDRF member. Yes, it will be interesting to see how much it encourages companies in Europe to make more use of IMDRF documents and procedures. The MedTech Forum meeting in 2023 is in Dublin. What do you think are most likely to be the most challenging items on the agenda there? I think the MDR and IBDR sessions will be full house once again, I have to say. Uh, we hope the situation will, of course, have uh, improved, but we will still be in a very, very hot period of time, which I, I guess you would agree with, Marc Pierre, with the May 2024 deadlines even closer. We, we hope there's some positive progress to reflect upon and, um, and, and, and new challenges to embrace together. But I, I think some of these other topics we've touched on today, like the overall predictability of doing business in Europe, the overall attractiveness of Europe for innovation. These were things that we started to address much more explicitly this year. Um, they are very long-term considerations, so they um, they could very well be there in 2023. Yeah, it's, it's all about MDR, and uh, it's MDR, MDR, MDR. But uh, in terms from, from the German perspective, um, because we got a new government and the Greens are in the government, and we will see the topic of sustainability in all aspects. And we have the Green Deal, of course, of the European Commission. And this impact of the Green Deal will be even much more effective to the companies than the MDR, I believe. Right now it's MDR, and next year it will be MDR, but the sustainability is coming up very strong. So that's going to be an issue, maybe not in Dublin, but it's going to be starting in Dublin because uh, the first laws, we national laws on national level, we will see in Germany um, introduced next year. So we have already, you know, the, the first laws in Germany this year, but they will be coming in force from the uh, 1st of January 2023. So in Germany, that is a big issue. And yeah. I believe it will crawl all over Europe. I think Mark Pierre is making a very good point there. I mean, sustainability is one example of big horizontal legislative changes, which are designed to um, to affect all sectors and all walks of life. I would also maybe add to some extent the digital agenda because yeah. we are seeing more European uh, legislation on digital, whether it's cybersecurity, AI, uh, data governance, etc. Um, these are all big uh, challenges for the industry that last over a number of years. 
So it's shaping up to be a really fascinating meeting. I'm sure it's going to be very popular. I just hope you can find a venue that's large, got large enough rooms for the demand for the regulatory sessions. <laughs> and um, is there anything else that you would like to raise or comment on? We, we just talked now very much, of course, uh, about the MDR. And yes. the MDR is the big issue. That's completely right. But I think we have at least three big, huge blocks of challenges for the medtech industry. The one block, of course, is regulatory challenges. MDR and Green Deal, we just uh, mentioned sustainability. But a second block is the increasing pressure of costs in the healthcare systems in Europe, and as well to for raw materials, for, for logistic freight and energy. This is a big problem coming up. And the third block is, Oliver just mentioned it uh, as well as the technological transformation, because we have the, the uh, medical devices, but they become more digital, they become more uh, parts of pharmaceutical, of biotech, of nanotech. So the technological transformation in global competition for innovation, that's, of course, it's always a problem, but there we see a specific problem, and that is China. Because, for instance, for Germany, we are the second largest market, medtech market in the world after the US, before Japan, before China yet. But China is coming up and they do that with, I think, not so fair competitive practices. So we do have to watch China and I think that's going to be a big issue in, in global competition. Thinking about the combined impact of all of this on the European industry, I mean, one of the themes that came out a little bit in our CEO no filter sessions, of course, is what all of these changes and challenges mean, not just for the industry in general, but in particular for the SME and startup ecosystems, because, you know, a big part of you, huge part, in fact, of Europe's medtech industry are real European SMEs who have driven innovation. Will some disappear? Will their interaction with um, with larger companies need to change in some way? What will this mean for the overall uh, way in which innovation is finding its way to patients? I mean, there's a lot of speculation, but it's not coming from just one impact like the regulatory one. It's a combined impact of what does it mean to do business in Europe? And it, it's certainly not stable right now. There's lots of things to wrestle at once. Yes, there are a great many topics and challenging times. So thank you very much, Oliver and Mark Pierre.